This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. Yay, podcast time! I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, please allow us to introduce ourselves, though we're not all men, and God knows I'm lacking in taste. We're taking on the rumors of the week, the news of the day, and the Morning Star himself. Plus, another Marvel Netflix hero takes the stage, a full slate of reviews, and our kick-butt poll of the week. Join us for the case we call number 666, as Nick Danger... Wait, no, wrong show. This one's the Major Spoilers Podcast, and it's on the air. You are number one. Uh, Stop that! Hey, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast number 666, (laughs) believe me. I have double checked, triple checked to make sure we had enough space for the hard drives, that everything was backed up, everything was working. <laughs> because this week we are talking Lucifer on Major yep. Spoilers Podcast number six, six, six. You know what that means? If you've if you've made sure that there won't be any type of uh, error. Of oh no, I didn't say there error. won't be an error. I just said I've double checked to el- right. make the error so much less if it does happen. Right, and it won't be a mechanical error. It'll probably be just one of those possessions sort of, I am not one of you. I come from an ancient time. If Ashley starts talking in tongues or backwards, then we shall know. I am known as the kicker of elves. Let us... (laughs) (laughs) Let us get to the news. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we've got the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one arrives in store at stores as the movie goes into production. Marvel casts Finn Jones as Iron Fist and the CW Riverdale's cast takes shape. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. And see where we land. And around, around, and around it goes. It's going backwards for some reason. Spinning around, pea soup coming out everywhere. So and there weird. it lands there on. What's it spelling? It spells Marvel cast Finn Jones as Iron Fist. Finn Jones? Finn Jones. Uh, he's apparently the kid an actor. from Adventure Time? Apparently that naked he is dude from Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones. Shame. You'll shame. have oh, to wrong be shame. more specific. The naked gay dude from Game of Thrones. You'll <laughs> have to be. <laughs> that's basically his entire character so i don't know if i can yeah i have not uh i i'll admit i have not been watching game of thrones since about the th- second or third episode of season two or three mm-hmm. so Ooh, i'm way bit behind <laughs> no so i probably don't even know him he does not no, look recognizable no. to me he's but, renly's uh, boyfriend ah well there you go um so uh he's been cast in the upcoming iron fist uh netflix series which is going into production fairly soon, from my understanding. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking that they're trying to hit a, uh, a 2017 release, if that is the case. Because I know we're getting Luke uh, Cage and Jessica Jones before that. And then... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Daredevil Season 2, somewhere in there. Daredevil Season 2 comes up in next March, week. March, 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 March 18th, yep. And they so said Luke Cage that. in November? Luke Cage in November, and probably Jessica Jones in November as well. Jessica Season 2? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
So what are your reactions to this Finn Jones guy, who I've never seen, so I don't know if he's a good actor or not, Ashley, but what's the, what's your initial reaction to Finn Jones as Danny Rand? My initial reaction is actually more a reaction to people's reactions. Because okay. everything that I saw about it online was everybody screaming whitewashing. And I was like, look, I don't know much from Iron Fist, but I know that he was made in the 70s, right. just like Luke Cage, during a not totally racially sensitive time. Um, and he's always been a white dude. Yeah. yeah. So he also has fists that like unto a thing of iron. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, yeah people really got um, worked up and it's it's reasonable. They were like, what if Iron Fist was Asian? I mean, even on the show, like, I yeah, talk we've talked about, about that. Yeah. Talk mm-hmm. about what if what if Iron Fist was Asian? That would be so super great. It would be a perfect place to get another little notch into the Marvel universe that minorities can like cling to. Right. Right. right? But it was never going to happen. Like, Oh no. You know, uh, uh, c- current news about Idris Elba aside, that sort of, uh, huh. race yeah. lift is very rare. It doesn't Since, mean what, though 2000? that Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, it doesn't mean though that, cause we, I didn't know for a long time that Luke, jo- Luke Jones, Luke Cage is going to be in Jessica Jones. I mean, Shang-Chi could be a part of the uh, Iron yeah. Fist show, for that's all what was, that we know. That's what I was going to say. Even though people were really saying, oh, they should have cast an Iron, uh, an Asian guy t- as Iron Fist to, to break an it Iron up and Man really to shake Fist. things up. Yeah. If they cast an Asian person for Iron Fist, they might as well be making Shang-Chi uh, Master of Kung Fu show. Uh, you, no. you, 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 can, no. you, can have, you can have two Asian uh, martial arts oh, sure. guys. In the same yeah. universe. No, you know? Star Wars only let one black person be on screen. They made the other one a yellow alien. See, you the know, Shang-Chi argument you know what I'm is about. <laughs> the Shang-Chi <laughs> argument is a problem because Shang-Chi, aside from being a kung fu guy, literally has nothing in common. Conceptually, oh, no. character-wise, Shang-Chi was always like, in fact, they did it on TV. Shang-Chi was the pacifist guy who didn't want to use his powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Danny would go out and fight and fight and fight. It's not the same character. And I think that Marvel Studios, frankly, had a, a lose-lose on their hands. Because if they With cast... Iron Fist? Uh, yeah, if they cast the casting, Iron Fist... Certainly. You cast an Asian character, you're going to have people who are, you know, freaking out and angry. Oh, but Iron Fist has always been Caucasian. If you don't cast a Caucasian, as we see, there are a lot of people mad because they missed a really good opportunity. And either way, you've got people complaining that they should have done X and they should have done Y. I think that the biggest problem that that I see from any of it is the Iron Fist character actually has an origin that dates back to the 1930s because his origin is borrowed from Centaur Comics' Amazing Man from 1939. That's a great title. Yeah, pretty (laughs) much unchanged, including the massive yellow peril madness that comes into that Iron Fist story early on. And I think their biggest problem is going to be telling that story and managing to— In a culturally sensitive way. Right, yeah. trying to keep out all this crap because in a lot of ways it's a it's a great white hope story. It's with well, the blonde blonde blue eyed kid comes in and saves the city of Kunlun and does his thing. You're, you're gonna have to. You're assuming a lot there that they're going to be following that origin story or anything. The, I'm not yeah, assuming I mean, anything. I mean, I'm saying know. they're gonna have to change that origin story. Oh no, they need to keep everything. No. If I don't see Iron Fist 
actually hugging it out with a dragon a magic robot in the first episode <laughs> yeah. then i am out he's got to hug it out with a giant dragon so he can get that tattoo on his chest well that he can do yeah yeah no i think this is going to be almost like i don't want to say it's going to be almost like daredevil but it's going to be he's already fully formed when we see him in the show oh, we won't we may that. see one episode of a flashback with uh snatching the pebble out of his hand moments but yeah. um so, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting show. Has there been I, any um, conversation about uh, this young man's uh, martial arts training or anything like that? Nothing nope. that I've no. seen. And I mean, just to speak in broad stereotypes, I can't tell you many English actors who have a huge martial arts training. Maybe he's the one. Well, I mean, have we seen him in anything besides Game of Thrones that we know? Not. I have not. Personally, I am this cat. IMDB that cat Rodrigo. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean the only one that I've be, seen doing any. Gonna... The only one I've seen doing any flipping around is the new kid playing Spider Man, where he's doing all the uh, flipping mm-hmm. and and uh, parkour stuff uh, in, those, in those training English videos. So he's a little English just, child. I was going to say that. Um, with, like with Daredevil, though, Iron Fist has a pretty significant face covering, mm-hmm. and Charlie Cox is not doing most of his own stunts. And if right. you're me and you can tell by his chin, you can see when it's the stunt double. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like that's a formula that's worked for them. So, I don't see why they would necessarily look to cast someone who is already a martial artist. Yeah, not everybody's Katie Lots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is interesting. They're actually listing on IMDb that Iron Fist is coming out in 2016, well, which is amazing if it's that to be, true to, to be fair a- anybody who wants to can edit imdb yeah that's true in, well, he's done a bunch of doctor who stuff the sarah jane adventures yeah he was in sarah jane like the the death of the doctor episodes i want to say hmm. interesting yeah and but, i'm pretty sure this guy was a, is like in the uh, definitely in this first season of game of thrones so you actually mm-hmm. may have seen probably him. did see but him he's, i'm sure he's he's like the one second, doing his sister he's like a tertiary character oh no, no he's, he's the he's one doing the, he's the one doing the brother oh okay all right <laughs> yeah. everybody's doing everybody in that show yeah well hbo it's hbo right. late night but so yeah, any I, other any other thoughts on this uh we uh, i think it's too bad that we live in this internet age well no it's not because otherwise major spoilers wouldn't exist but <laughs> the problem you know it, it, a lot of times you could have kept this stuff secret for much much longer it seemed like mm-hmm. the charlie cox's daredevil thing didn't come out until they were well into production That's and i don't true. i don't know do you know ashley if they've already started production of, of iron fist or um oh i don't it's coming I don't. out in 2016 you gotta hope right I don't mm. know definitively. Um, I mean, even if it's coming out in 2017, because the Marvel TV shows, they take a good, they shoot them really early. Um, I would assume it's already in production. Marvel 2 oh, okay. tends to not do their casting announcements until the person's already on set. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if, they, if, if this was something that got out ahead of time. Because we didn't, the first time we saw Charlie Cox uh, as Daredevil was, he was already Matt Murdock walking down the street on production of like the second week of production. I thought that was so maybe. funny because I was like the pudgy guy from Stardust. <laughs> maybe Finn Jones is part of uh, Luke Cage or Jessica. Season oh, two. I, I um, oh, that would be so cool. That, I wonder if makes, the character because Luke sense. Cage, I mean, gets his own yeah. show after having appeared. I think, and I don't know. The biggest issue that I have about the whole thing is where are my Sons of the Tiger? That's all I want to know. I want my Sons of the Tiger in there. 
Well, well cool. they've been, you know, they've been pretty good about the name checks at least. So <laughs> we finally yeah. got the hand. Oh yeah, the hand was in kind of in last season, but they're a big part of season two of uh, but Daredevil. They yeah. said it. They yeah, they said it specifically. Said yeah. it. And remember, bear in mind, not a fan of Daredevil. Big fan, Sons of the Tiger. So you know, the other thing that. Um, is interesting in this is the uh, comment that they made about, you know, we are definitely building this up to the defenders, which well, yeah. brought up some conversations earlier this week that I had with other people. And, and they were wondering, you know, Doc Strange is, is part of this thing. Is he going to, are they going to bring in Benedict Cumberbatch to, uh, to be uh, in the defenders show on, on Netflix or not? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing no, I would doubt it. They really like to keep their TV and movie universes. That's, that was separate. my, that was my reaction is no, there is a huge difference between what they're doing on the small screen on Netflix and what they're doing on broadcast television and what they're doing in the movies. And even though yeah. the small screen and the big screen are crossing over here and there in places, they are still totally separate from production quality stories and everything else. So I don't what know. Though. Benedict Cumberbatch works for BBC money, so maybe he'd work for Netflix money. <laughs> what this basically is, is the new Avengers um, the Luke Cage, the Jessica Jones, the Iron Fist that they did in 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. But during that series, somebody actually came in and went, you guys know you're the Defenders, right? Am I the only one who sees that you're actually the Defenders? Because in a lot of ways, the Avengers name on the new Avengers comic is really just sort of a, a honestly, a selling point. It's uh, gluten-free for all intents and purposes. Well, it's it's that answer, right, to, yeah. you know, why is it that um, the DC super team has all of their most popular guys and the Marvel super team does not? Because Brian Michael Bendis wasn't in charge then. That's well, big, that sure. was by design. <laughs> that was So, you know, you get your... Uh, new Avengers are like Spider-Man and Wolverine and some other guys. Mm-hmm. And if you if you really go back and look at the defenders, I mean, the core defenders back in the day were Doctor Strange, the Hulk, who definitely isn't in, in it, and mm -hmm. Submariner and Namor, who are reputedly with other production companies. Well, not they would Submariner. be there. They would Silver Submariner. Surfer and Namor. Yeah, they would both be at uh, Fox. Yeah, so, I mean, they're clearly not doing classic defenders as we know it, but that's okay because they didn't do Avengers as we know it, and that, you know, made a billion dollars, so. I don't know if it was a crabillion, but definitely a billion. It was a or at least a, at least half a crabillion. Yes, there you go. <laughs> it, was, it was a scrabillion. Yeah. Ah. Right. Uh, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out all the news and things that we have going over th on over there. And while you are there, click on that Amazon button, buy some things through there. It's not going to cost you any extra, but your purchase through our link at Majorspoilers.com does send a little bit back our way and allows us to pay our growing server costs to make sure that uh, this pretty site stays up and afloat for everyone. So go check it out at uh, Majorspoilers.com. And thank you, everyone, who's using that. Let us do some reviews. Reviews. So this week, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one comes out from Boom Studios. Uh, number zero had already come out previously. Uh, you do not have to read number zero in order to get into number one, because number one spends a fair amount of time of telling you what happened with the Green Ranger, how he came onto the team, and how he flips sides from Rita Repulsa uh, and I'm guessing that was all covered in issue zero, or at least it was covered in what season three of uh, Power Rangers on TV. Season one. Season one. So this, the weird Someone thing hasn't about Geek History lesson yet. No, I have not. Oh. It's actually <laughs> on the. Um, it's four episodes away uh, from where I'm at, so I will actually have listened to it by this time tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, so 
what we have going on here, and this is the weird part because Power Rangers, when Matthew and I were watching were when it was on uh, Fox or whatever it was, uh, was so much steeped in the late nineties culture. And so to kind of move some of that forward to today seems a little weird, especially when the issue starts off with a bulk and skull doing an online YouTube series uh, from the, the Rangers den, I think is what they're calling it. Basically they're doing inside exposés on everything going on with the Rangers and creating a YouTube uh, phenomena. But uh. if you want, but if you want to get in on their extra behind the scenes stuff, you need to become a paid subscriber to their service and everything. It's really weird. And I would say the first third of the issue is spent with those two running their video camera and doing interviews with people to, to ask them about what are their thoughts about the Green Ranger. We knew he was bad, but now he's suddenly working with the Rangers. What's going on there? And sprinkled throughout some of these interviews, we see the Rangers um, popping in, and one of the last people that they're interviewing is Tommy. And then we are introduced to Tommy as the character at uh, Angel Grove High School and him moving through his day and interacting with the Rangers. There's not a lot of other character development going on with the other Rangers except for um, Kimberly, which is there's a really weird reference that she makes, which I don't know if it was intentional, uh, if the writer Kyle Higgins and Steve Orlando knew this when they were writing it, but uh, she's hitting on Tommy and she's saying, oh, you know, maybe later we can go and have some hot coffee. And I was like, whoa, is that really a reference to the hot coffee stuff from uh, Grand Theft Auto? Uh, because if it is, hey, good on Boom's, Boom for slipping that uh, little bit of sexual innuendo into the uh, into the uh, into the story. Um, but otherwise, this feels just like a regular Power Rangers episode. And granted, I've not seen a lot of Power Rangers, but the stuff I saw back in the 90s, this felt like one of those episodes as uh, Tommy still is uh, being conflicted with the uh, I don't know if it's the ghost of Rita or if she's still trying to talk with him behind the scenes and trying to get him to flip to the other side. But it does introduce all the characters and the situation that Tommy is in for this arc called Green Ranger Year One. Um, I thought the story was written fine. I thought it was a little weird trying to wrap my head around this being in modern times, but that's okay. I thought the art was good. These uh, these are not character renditions that look like, um, like they're on model from the actors, but I thought it did a fairly good job. If someone's wearing blue, you know it's the Blue Ranger. If someone's wearing yellow, it's the Yellow Ranger. Um, no Rangers show up in this episode except via flashback and one training sequence with uh, Kim and Tommy in the uh, pocket universe. So I thought it was fine. I'm interested to see what goes next. I think if you're a Power Rangers fan, you'll probably enjoy this. Uh, for a non-Power Rangers fan, I liked it. I'm giving it four out of five slices of meatloaf. So there you go. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one coming out this week. Uh, Matthew, what do you have this week? I got to tell you, the likenesses of the actors are nowhere near as important as the likenesses of the helmets. They do a good job on the helmets, I think, in the okay, uh, sequences good. that we see in the Zords. Uh, the we see we see uh, Kimberly's uh, pterodactyl flying around in one scene. It looked it looked like call, it did from the show. So yeah, yeah, I thought it was okay. Have you read issues? Didn't you read issue zero, Matthew? No. Not oh, yet. okay, okay. Well, I think you probably I, enjoy it. Uh, you're not well, a big we'll Power see. Rangers fan, but. Um, um, <laughs> You can buy it slabbed on eBay for $300. Really? Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. People will slab anything. Wow. Hope it's a high high value one. So, anyway. I like the Power Rangers fine. I think my biggest issue is that there are times when I get disappointed. When you're 40 and you're watching something made for an eight-year-old, there yeah. are going to be moments where you go, 
I really missed a moment of drama there that I wanted. Oh, speaking of moment of drama, there is a backup story in this of Bulk and Skull shenanigans. It's by a whole different writing and art crew. I think that's where Steve Orlando and Corn Howell come in. But Bonk mm-hmm. and Skull are trying to get um, free stuff down at the soda shop. And he's like, hey, well, all those other guys come in. You're giving them free stuff. And uh, uh, the shop owner's like, well, you guys don't do the things that, that the other kids are doing. And so they get this big idea that they're going to go in and um, attack one of Rita's monsters right as the Power Rangers are, are bringing it down so that they can get the glory. But on the way, they run into a putty and they decide to kidnap the putty. <laughs> so let's see wow. where that takes us next. That sounds really scary. Yes. All right, Matthew, what do you have for us? Kidnapping the putty also sounds like a euphemism. Oh, yeah, My... I did that this morning. <laughs> I don't just... Uh, there's like I put it on the, that I put it on the newspaper and, and stretched it out. Any of it was them. awesome. I took a hammer and shattered no, it into a million pieces. No, no. bad. <laughs> so I had a comic book from last week, Marvel Comics, all new, comma, all different, comma, Avengers, number six, which kind of wraps up the first arc of all new, all different Avengers. If you had not been paying attention... All New, All Different Avengers is the book that has the high-profile darlings in it and also the vision. So this issue begins with our Avengers, uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Yay! Ms. Marvel, the new Nova, Jane Foster, Thor, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Iron Man, and the aforementioned Vision fighting what may be a new (laughs) version of Kang the Conqueror. Hooray! Is it Iron Lad? No, he's actually Kang. Oh, that's but my favorite there's, version. Post-Secret Wars, there has been a strange glitch in the time stream, and Kang the Conqueror, time-traveling guy who may or may not have once been Iron Lad, cannot travel in time. He can, however, still cause paradoxes. But that's his whole deal. He's been taking multiple versions of minor villains in this issue, uh, Equinox, the thermodynamic man. Who, by the way, rocks. So uh, kudos to Wade for remembering that guy. I thought I was the only one. And Kang reveals in this issue what his evil secret plan has been for the first six issues. It turns out he's actually the Avengers landlord. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Mr. McGillicuddy? No, Mr. Griffin. Oh. But last issue, due to the Vision acting squirrely, both Nova and Ms. Marvel were fired by Captain America from the team. No. This issue starts with Nova and Captain or Nova and Ms. Marvel saying "f that" and coming back to start the big fight, and they're in the big fight. And it turns out that Kang went back in time and imprinted the Vision to follow his order. So the Avengers are fighting their own, while Captain America and Thor are trapped sometime in the near future. And Thor has been separated from her hammer. And when that happens, you revert to your human form, which means that Captain America is actually running around with uh, Jane Foster, who is having some real problems because, of course, she's going through chemotherapy in her normal, uh, by the way, spoilers, in her normal human form and is very, very ill. So all looks lost. Bad things happen. And suddenly halfway through the issue, Spider-Man turns on his friends and attacks the Avengers. (gasps) And it's brilliant. And I'm not going to tell you why, because I want you to go and read this. 
it is gorgeous. It's one of those Wade twists that you go, that's a total Wade twist. Oh, like you know, Zoom you say, being revealed as, oh, never mind. That was not Wade. <laughs> not every Flash issue is written by Mark Wade. Steven. They should be. The and that's the Jeff problem. Jones. That's the problem in both cases. Was it? Anyway, as the issue ends, the new Avengers are standing together and the all new, all different Avengers are like, okay, we're here and Kang is defeated and yatata and things are happening and all of these nice things. And there's also some time travel shenanigans. And Jane Foster gets a really great, what I call a Wolverine moment. That moment where one character just shows up and kind of overshadows everybody else and, and is really awesome and cool. And it has a wonderful ending involving two of the Avengers. Again, I don't want to spoiler this one because this is a fun issue to read. And the surprising part of it should be surprising to you. I will tell you, go buy it. Go buy it now. Four slices of meatloaf for all new, all different Avengers number six. This is a really fun team. And because of the nature of an Avengers book, when you have all the high profile guys, it's mostly character work because you can't necessarily mess with everybody's timeline and crush their skulls and have them all hit by buses and all these terrible things that happen when you have a team made of people who aren't all seven of them headlining their own high-profile book as this team has. So again, go buy it. It is good. Four slices of the meatloaf. I think you mentioned it. You said Captain America, but is this Steve Rogers or is this – Steve Rogers yeah. is not currently Captain America. Okay. Yeah, he's Sam, Sam Wilson. Wilson. Sam Wilson. Okay, okay. I must have – Missed that because yeah. I was too caught up on Flash and Mark Wade. So well, and you're also in the future. Captain yes, America, Steve Rogers hasn't actually come out yet. Yeah, I think that actually comes out. Was it May? I think that comes out during Free Comic Book Day. At least they have a, a yeah. big Captain America, Steve Rogers returns uh, issue coming out. In, I think that yeah. comes out in time for Civil War. Yeah, right. Huh? It's Early almost May, like it's like super convenient. Uh, yeah. yeah, Free Comic Book Maybe Day first uh, first Saturday in May. Also. Captain America Civil War comes out first weekend in May. So there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for us this week? I have Alabaster, the good, the bad, and the bird number four. And you've Wait. read Alabaster a couple of times from uh, Dark Horse Comics. I have. Yeah, I really liked it uh, before. And I've realized that a big part of why I liked it was um, Steve Lieber, who was the artist on the ones that I'd read. Uh, the art on this one is by Daniel Warren Johnson. And I do not like it as much. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's maybe that the um, the character expressions are a little bit more exaggerated. So like when somebody's angry, mm -hmm. like their face kind of warps a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um and things like that. And these are like some pretty dark stories, dark, creepy stories. So um, I don't know, having kind of big, exaggerated motions after seeing um, Lieber's work really kind of threw me off. Um, the, the story is interesting. Um, it uh, basically, if you've read the first volume, uh, there's obviously some... Or if you haven't, there's obviously some some spoilers here, but um, basically, uh, Dancy, the main character, has uh, is now trying to get her girlfriend back because some jerks have kidnapped her. Um, 
And it turns out those jerks are sisters. And also they might be sisters that make out. But the making out part between the two of them seems like so thrown in. Just so unnecessarily thrown in. Like you can do it. You can do like a little incest thing in a thing if you want to make it creepy or you want to make it weird or you want to make it whatever. Um, But it's like here it just like seriously comes out of nowhere. Um, so that wasn't great. I mean, I'm not like, I don't have a problem with like an incestual couple in my comics. It's whatever, whatever themes you're trying to go for. That's cool. But it was just not done very well. Um, I mean, this is also a story that I've only kind of, uh, been jumping into since the first volume every once in a while. So this is like two volumes since then. Um, I believe. So I'm not necessarily super caught up with everything that's been going on. You know, it was okay. There was nothing wrong with it, but I was, I guess I was really hoping for, uh, for exactly the old alabaster magic, which Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not necessarily getting here. Um, the covers, Greg Ruth are by the same person. I think Greg Ruth has done all the covers for alabaster. And that's, that's what hooked me into the book to begin with. I have a terrible habit of like getting into books because the covers look super cool, which is mm-hmm. I guess exactly what covers are supposed to do. Right. Um, they allow but, you to judge uh, that book. Is what it yeah. Is. So um, altogether, like I said, there's really nothing wrong with the book. I don't have a problem with it. I'll give it two and a half slices of meatloaf. You know, it was just uh, not necessarily what I, I probably came in with my expectations a little high. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Um, and, and what happens. All right. So what, what's the final verdict? Two and a half half? slices. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, Ashley. Yes. You have a book I'm excited about. Yeah. I have Archie number six. And it's so interesting that Rodrigo went before me because I'm going to kind of steal his, uh, his little pitch here. Okay. So I, I read Archie number one and I thought it was so amazing. And I was so excited, even though when you really look at it, it's basically j- just your classic Archie story. Yeah. yeah. Um, updated. And then we got a different artist. And I realized that mm. half the reason why I really, really <laughs> liked it was Fiona Staples' yeah. art. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Annie Wu has a really great style. It's just very different. Mm-hmm. And now uh, with issue six, we had, we had Annie Wu for two issues. And now we have uh, Veronica Fish. And again, her style is very, very different. And for me, it feels more like a step toward the cartoony look that I'm more used to. And and it's not anywhere like the classic Archie look, but it feels like we're moving back in that direction from this very painterly kind of, for lack of a better word, heightened art that we got with Fiona Staples. Mm-hmm. And so... The story's really interesting. Um, a lot of it focuses again around Reggie and, you know, like any good person, I effing hate Reggie. Yeah, Reggie's and, the worst. <laughs> uh, and, and Mark Wade has done this amazing job at making him this totally interesting character with an interesting subplot that is still the I hate Archie and I want to get Veronica, but it's a different way of telling that story. Just, you know, he took the camera lens and moved it a little bit. But the whole time I was like, this art doesn't look right. And like, there's nothing wrong with it. Veronica Fish has a very right. clear style. You know, she executes it all well. But having 
having this like this kind of mishmash of artists in the first six issues, I found it very jarring trying to step into mm -hmm. another style, like trying to train yourself like this is what it looks like now. Um, as far as I know, Veronica Fish is not an ongoing artist on no, another she, series. Not on another series, but she is the ongoing artist for this series. Right. So I'm hoping that by issue seven or eight, I'll have figured it out because she won't have to leave to go draw Saga again right. or right. or Black Canary. Like she's not doing this in her spare time. Um, I mean, this, like I said, the story is super solid. The art is it's very stylized, but it's true to the style. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me, I just think given that we had an artist shift now twice within two issues, mm -hmm. it was it was kind of a jarring experience. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um but that's probably mostly on me. Three three slices of the meatloafs. Oh, you know, from the art side, I totally agree with you that it's super jarring that you get two issues of Fiona Staples and we get into Annie Wu and then to Veronica Fish. And you compare the first issue to this issue and it's night and day as far as the art. Not that either artist is awful or one's yeah. better than the other. It's just a taste issue, Different. style issue that you have to get used to, which is, which is when you think about it. The craziest thing about this series is that for 75 years, not not really. But at yeah. least for the last 45, there has been a, a house style yeah. for Archie that you have to follow every single time. And then they're like, OK, well, we'll let artists be artists. And then suddenly people are like, that doesn't look like Archie at all or not the Archie that I want. And it's it's just I mean, kind I, of a, an irony there. I get it. You want the first trade to say with art by Fiona Staples, Eisner Award winning artist of saga. Right, like, right, I right. totally understand why you did that. But you're messing with me a little bit here, Archie Comics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, understandable on that. So, all right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. There are other reviews over there for you to check out. There are video reviews. If you want to see unboxing videos and uh, toy reviews and Supergirl reviews, you can find yeah. those over at Majorspoilers.com. Or what you could do, and this is what I would appreciate as well as everyone else here would appreciate, subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Majorspoilersvideo, and you can get all of those updates over there. Uh, oh. Let us talk about the major spoilers poll of the week real quick. Let's dive week, into week, that. Week, 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 week. This was something that popped up on uh, Twitter that I'd asked earlier this week, but then it was something that I keep thinking about. And with the Iron Fist news that broke, <laughs> I've been I've been pondering the fate of Spider-Man. You know, his mm -hmm. his his popularity has not been as strong as it, it was 20 years ago when the first Sony, Sony movie came on the scenes. And I'm wondering, I've, I've been watching Daredevil again a lot. I'm wondering, would Spider-Man be better on the big screen or would it be better as a Netflix series? And I'm not saying an ABC series because there would be something different with that. And we've talked, uh, Ashley and I specifically have talked about some of the problems with Agent Carter and its low production value and happy lighting and, and soap opera kind of production values. Um, but I'm wondering if you couldn't take some of the aesthetics and production value of what we've seen in Jessica Jones and Spider-Man, not making Spider-Man dark and gritty because you can still have lots of humor with Spider-Man, but make Spider-Man a Netflix series as opposed to a movie that we get once every three years or every five years before the contract runs out. What do you guys think? Would you rather have Spider-Man movies or a Netflix series? And you can't say both because that's not an option here. Rodrigo? Uh. I would say it would be interesting to see Spider-Man as a Netflix series, largely because it would also let the property breathe mm -hmm. as a movie property. Um, I think, you know, even though it was years apart, I, I feel that uh, the new Spider-Man stuff came too fast. And I think that 
you know, if they get Spider-Man into the new or, or into the MCU, it's still going to feel fast to have a new Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if they had moved it to Netflix and make basically make Spider-Man the big shining, uh, uh, you know, center point of a, of a Netflix campaign, basically, it would have actually served them well. And, you know, the thing about it is that, you know, nowadays in the movies they are trying to do these like ongoing storylines then a you have to wait three years for the next installment and b they just don't work as well when right. you have to cram an entire character's entire emotional arc into two hours mm-hmm. but you know spider-man who has you know lots of side characters and girlfriends and and police uh rivals and like guys who also want to shoot pictures of spider-man and then right. end up with symbiotes it, it really gives you a lot of room to make you know a 12 episode 22 episode however many episode yeah. miniseries and i that's those are my points right there is you give those characters time to breathe and to grow and to be natural instead of forced into it where you see spider-man running around in some sweatpants and a hoodie and then suddenly developing his costume over a couple of episodes or you get to see a character and it doesn't have to be green goblin, but you could get to see a villain develop the way. And I know you're not a fan of Wilson Fisk, Rodrigo, but you get to see a, a, a villain develop over the course of a season to be a very big threat to our hero. And so for me, I also think that a Netflix series with Spider-Man would be good. And I'm not saying it has to be dark and gritty. I'm not saying that we have to see Gwen Stacy grinding on top of, of, of Spider-Man of Peter Parker in, in some, uh, in some apartment at night. I'm not saying we have to see that. Uh, but I'm saying that I think a Netflix series would be, would allow you to do things that are maybe a little bit more, uh, intense as far as the action goes. You can do a few more things with a budget than what you're currently doing with, uh, agent Carter. And I think you, I think you would have a win-win there. Uh, uh Ashley, what about you? Um, I'd like to see Spider-Man on the big screen or the, a small screen, just not as Peter Parker. Ah, that was another be- one that. That's another thing that people came up with on on Twitter as a response. Yeah, like, and I love Peter Parker and the original Spider-Man is always going to have a place in my heart. But we have so many amazing Spider characters now that are financially viable in the MCU. I mean, Miles, Silk, Spider-Gwen, you know, and I think that TV, just given the medium and the fact that people put a certain weight on movies, I think that television is a great way to explore that. And I think even if you let Sony hold on to it, like, you know, nuts to it, make a Netflix series because you can do that for no money. Mm-hmm. And there was also a really cool animated Spider-Gwen, mm-hmm. a little intro oh, that was floating that. around the Internet yeah. for a while. And, oh, I'd give anything to see that. Or if you've seen the uh, Spider-Man in Kansas, have you seen that little yes. short video? <laughs> if, the, if that was an animation style, I would definitely be watching that for either either series. Uh, Matthew Peterson. Hello. Would you rather have Spider-Man movies or a Netflix series? Movies. How come? For the same reason that I want Batman and Superman movies. And that reason is, uh, in my time on uh, planet Earth, I have been witness to, I want to say, 10 Spider-Man cartoons. Uh, An ongoing series that was a live-action series and about six live-action movies. And the thing about a Spider-Man and a Batman, those really big characters, is it's harder to invest in them for me because you know they're going to snap back and they're going to, the next time you see it, nothing in the iteration that you've just seen is going to stick. 
So if we look at, say, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones' Netflix series is a reimagining of Jessica Jones that is going to be the Jessica Jones, at least for a while. This Spider-Man that we're going to get with the, the new cute little British boy replacing the old cute little British boy, I'm interested in seeing that because, A, it's going to be a, a complete story. And if it's great, I can go, I have this great complete movie story. Whereas if I had that Netflix series, there are episodes even of Daredevil and Jessica Jones where I'm like, no, I don't want to watch this. So I would rather have that movie because I want that that complete experience knowing that Spider-Man is a character to where they're going to restart him and reboot him repeatedly. We talk about those series of movies, but even if they took him off the movies and you did 12, 15 episodes on Netflix, I don't necessarily feel like that's so much letting the character breathe as it is stretching the silly putty in one direction, knowing that it's going to come back. I also did that this morning. Maybe it's a question of investment when it comes to that. You know, I'm willing to invest two hours in a Christian Bale Batman movie. Not so much a Christian Bale Batman series or, you know, got ham on the Fox network. But when it comes to Spider-Man, I feel like maybe the same thing. I'll invest in a two-hour movie with uh, Tom, uh, cute British boy, where I wouldn't necessarily – thank you. I wouldn't necessarily immediately say that I'm going to sit down and watch 14 hours – of Tom Holland, even if it gives me a more organic story or even if it gives me a better build, I feel like I want my Spider-Man the way I want my Big Mac. I want my Big Mac to be inoffensive. I want it to be as tasty as the last Big Mac I have. And I know that that next Big Mac is going to be the same because it's a fast food experience. And if I really want to sit down and have something weird, like, you know, some, I don't know, some Jessica Jones, uh, Beef Bourguignon, I can do that. But for me, Spider-Man isn't the same as a normal mm. comic character, if sure, that makes sure. any sense. No, I mean, uh, superheroes as fast food is a perfect analogy. Yeah. So, I, think, I do think it's interesting that you say that you're willing to sit down for two hours of the Christian Bale Batman, which means you must have walked out on the last act of every Christian Bale Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I watched um, Batman Begins, and I don't think I saw the end. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Uh, Mystery Max says, after the success of the other Marvel series on Netflix, I think they could do a good job of bringing Spider-Man to an episodic venue. Looking at the success of the Spider-Man cartoons, I think if they followed that style, breaking the fourth wall, good stories, swapping in and out of heroes and villains, it would ap- appeal to multiple ages of viewers, which is a which is a good uh, a good thing, especially with and again me thinking that we're seeing Iron Man and Jessica Jones and um um I or Power Man and Iron Fist and Daredevil all in this one neighborhood. Why can't we go across the the bridge to Brooklyn and have Spider Man swinging around over there? Doing his thing and crossing over with these guys and appearances Spider-Man's by Spider-Man's in Queens. Yeah, he's in Queens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, wherever they can, they can, they can, they can have moments uh, uh, not together. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's a pylon. Oh man. Uh, let's see. Pumpkin Milk says Spider-Man just seems to do best stretch over time rather than just one thing. Uh, Ray says the superhero movie club, while getting a huge rated R resurgence with Deadpool, is starting to feel stagnant. 
With the current trend of going uh, of going more grown up, something like Spider Man with its useful feel may be a step in the wrong direction. Not to mention that it has been done to death. The Netflix series of shows, however, are fresh and revitalizing approach for Marvel still, and would be able to tell a deeper, richer story than a single film could do. And an iconic character like Spider Man deserves that treatment. So uh, those are just a couple of the comments. A lot of comments people have made this week on uh, this this poll of the week. And I would encourage you to head over. It is. People are interested in talking about Spider-Man and Batman and and those kinds of things. Uh, And uh, I want you to head over and read all of the comments that we have right now and also cast your vote in the major spoilers poll of the week. Because right now, Matthew, the poll stands at... Vamping music at this time. I literally just closed the window and thought, crap, I shouldn't have done that. 70 votes in the whole, 75% favoring a Netflix series over a one-shot movie. 24% siding with me on the movies. And again, there are a lot of fascinating arguments that make me think that a Netflix Spider-Man movie might be interesting. Or a Netflix Spider-Man series. I won't watch it. I only but, I only think that I mean you could do a you I mean all of the Marvel stuff right now has been very dark and brooding right it's very dark very noir style high contrast uh, low light kind of stuff but you could make a bright happy Spider-Man series that doesn't have to feel like a CW series it doesn't have to feel like Dawson's Creek and still tell a smash up story so, you know, Flash is a CW series I know it is but at times okay. you and I have also commented that it feels like hey here's our romance of the week thing right. that's going on. And I, it, you mean like everything see, that Iris is in? Yes. <laughs> Go Iris. Okay, don't, You're don't forget, awful. Don't forget, uh, don't forget uh, Killer Frost. Yeah. And uh, that whole sidetrack with, uh, for some reason, hey, all of a sudden, the other Flash's girlfriend is in for four episodes. Yeah. And, and like don't forget Patty Spivet. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see Spider-Man done tonally closer to Supergirl. Mm. Uh, I, I really think that Spider-Man would be a great character in that more of a lighthearted vein. Even though Supergirl's missteps can be missteps, I think that having it be more of a, of a traditional lighthearted, I don't know if lighthearted is the right word, but not necessarily grim and gritty, sort of a this is hero, heroism for heroism's sake and we hold things to a higher blah, 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 and we're doing Superman because no one else is. <clears throat> I think I think Spider-Man is at its most effective when it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security because it is an upbeat story about a mouthy teenager and mm. then terrible things happen to that mouthy teenager and you then feel for him so hard. Yeah, you feel for him so hard. And that's a, I think one of the things that's kind of missing from the from the movies, right? I mean, uh, when you think of the Spider-Man movies, you think, oh, here's the scene where where Ben dies. And then here's the scene where the girlfriend dies and there's not these like Spider-Man think, getting crapped on all the time. I think, I think here's I think the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man Arlet dies. Yeah. yeah, I think the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, like the first movie is tonally exactly what I generally wanted from Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's he's a big dork. He has a lot of little stupid problems. Then he gets superpowers. Yay. Then something really terrible happens to him. Boo. Then he kind of like manages to kind of pull it together. And in the process, you know, other bad things are happening. But it he comes out on top. That's yeah. that's what I want out of my Spider-Man. Like, oh. If they did Spider-Man the way that they're doing Superman now, the way that. No, the, no, uh, no, no, that no, that current, like Dawn of Justice Superman looks like I would be out. No, I'd but here's the so here's hard. the thing that you would do in the Netflix series that you. Uh, won't do in the movies. You won't have Spider-Man running around with his mask on the entire time. That's what you would yeah. see in the Netflix series. In the movie, you got to have that mask come off every third scene 
where half so the city knows who Spider-Man. Yeah, so you can show off your actor. I I'm mean, hoping. I'm a, hoping. You know, in a Netflix se- series, you can have Uncle Ben die on the second or third episode. Oh yeah, you yeah, can build you can up that relationship. Establish that. Yeah. yeah. Build up have, that relationship. You can, you can actually have Uncle Ben die on the last episode of the season right. if you're writing it right. Mm-hmm. Right. Crap! Excellent. Now you sold me on a Spider-Man show. I hate you. I'll write uh-huh. it. I'll pitch it to them. Okay. Yeah. If you're writing here's it, the, I'm, I might be. Here's the thing: on board. we need to figure out if Morbius is a Spider-Man character, and we can use it. Morbius, um, is, Morbius is a Spider-Man character. Uh, well, there you go. But he's owned by. I mean, that's all Sony stuff. So sure, sure. You know, it would yeah. definitely be in. But yeah, that that was a. What was it? That was the '90s Spider-Man, where the Morbius arc had a huge, um, a huge play with that that oh, yeah. series. Wasn't it the '90s, Matthew? Or am I thinking yep, something yep, before it that? It was. It was. Okay. Yeah, it was, the '90s one. There were there yeah. were a couple of really big arcs, and I think that now that we talk about it, I'm not changing my vote. But having a Netflix <laughs> series would also allow you to mine the history of mm-hmm. comic book Spider-Man. Yeah. Without oh, throwing it all in the way they did. And you can the you Raimi can explore movies. you can explore Kirk Connors. I mean, I know the Kirk Connors yeah. character in the movies was played out over a couple of movies, but you could have a Kirk so, Connors relationship more mm-hmm. deep in the movie. Or and in I the uh, in the that, Netflix series. I mean in the movie. anybody, any any of these characters, yeah. you know, like the 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 movie Doctor Octopus, the Rhino, any the of kangaroo. those guys. You can have you can have Spider Man put the Rhino the without his powers in jail on the first episode, and by the third episode we see what they've done with him, or the Scorpion, or any of those guys. Yeah. The one great thing that the Raimi movies did, and there's actually a meme running around the internet that I have I have the almost unstoppable urge to correct, but I never will because I'm not opening that fight. The Raimi movies made sure that Peter Parker was a weird, goofy, bespectacled goon of a kid mm-hmm. who was only awesome when he was Spider-Man. And there's I this thing that, that I keep seeing on the internet. This is why they had you recast Spider-Man. Uh. And I just want to respond with, this is why you don't understand Spider-Man. But then I'm, I'm being that guy, and I'm not going to be that guy because I'm being the same guy as the guy that I'm telling not to be the guy. But mm-hmm. Sure, sure. You don't want to get you know, into like crap a all of your argument, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to get into a nerd fight because a, you know, I'm I I feel like maybe I'm a grown up nerd and and b I'll never stop. <laughs> I'm you know what I'm okay with a Spider Man who is who who is like clever and cool, but is act is too crushingly shy to do it without a mask. Mm-hmm. I think I think that Spider Man works, and we almost got that with the Garfield Spider Man. Um, but I think at times that guy was just way too cool, too, too pretty boy looking. Yeah. yeah, too cool. And not, not was, that I'm complaining because I think he's a good looking guy. But sure. there was a little too I feel bad much too. darkness in the in the Garfield oh, Spider Man. Sure, sure. Little too much Batman in my spider is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Ashley, any other final thoughts? I'm just sick of Peter Parker, yo. <laughs> you know, I I was the thing that triggered it for me was not only watching the Daredevil series, but thinking back to how much I love the ultimate Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, stuff by Brian Michael Bendis. And even, even when it transitioned to Miles Morales, how they made that work so well. Spider-Men series. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, that you would know, be a great, that'd be a great crossover into season two. You kill Peter Parker at the end of season one. Oh, I, snap. I, you know, I know it's, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I was hugely disappointed when we saw that first episode of Supergirl and they start talking about Superman. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. actually quietly really, really hoping that Superman didn't exist in that universe and it was just going to be all about Supergirl. And I think if you do a Miles Morales Spider-Man, 
that's how you need to do it. You just need to make him Spider-Man from the get-go, and who the hell's Peter Parker? Right. And I think that that could work. Oh, it would totally but work, I, because if you watch the, um, you know, there could be any number of reasons why Oscorp was shut down, and why his, uh, was his uncle who broke into the lab and, and stole the spider that bit, mm-hmm. bit him. I mean, there's a hundred different things that you can tell with that Oscorp story that could get Miles Morales in without ever having to mention Peter Parker. You can keep his uncle being the prowler even. I mean, yeah, I personally think we need a prowler movie, but then again, I may be the only person on the panel who knows who the prowler is. So So I know who the prowler is because he was in that 90s Spider-Man. Yeah, that's so true. And then, and then he kind of becomes his like, uh, what's the guy that does the gadgets for Batman? Q. No, no. Uh, uh, Lucius Fox. Hector? Lucius Fox. Yes. He kind of becomes oh, Spider Man's Lucius Fox. Man, that '90s Spider Man thing was on point. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. You're thinking of Harold the mechanic. Yes. Actually, it, it, who there you go. The, I was like, the what's the Quasimodo looking guy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Character Sanctuary. that they character that they used and then totally totally crapped on by turning him into a villain. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know what? They do that with everybody. Yeah, but come on. That guy had some nice redeeming values to him and everything. They, but They do that quick, with everybody. They quick. introduce a new character. Here we go. Here we go. Here's a new thing. We're going to kill him. Here, here we go. Real quick and go around the room. Name one Marvel character you would like to see developed into a Netflix series. Short answer, Rodrigo, go. The Gibbon. Uh, Ashley. Young Avengers. Matthew. The White Tiger. Ooh, and I'm going with Spider-Woman. So there you go. Uh, okay. Head over to Majorspoilers.com, cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. Check out our sponsor, tweakedaudio.com. Uh, we talked about these guys just the other day with their new sport headphones. And I think they're I think they're super cheap. I think not cheap as in they're built really good. They've got a good color, they've got good quality. I like the flat microphone uh, the flat mic cable on them. They sound great, they look great, but they're fairly inexpensive for sport headphones at $39.95. When you use the checkout code MAJOR, you're going to get them for 33% off. So that's like what? $10 off? $15 off? 33% off of 39 would yeah, be about 40 bucks. 13 Yeah, so there you go. 13 bucks off that price. Wow, that's a yeah. great deal. Thanks, Tweaked Audio, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Again, tweakedaudio.com. Use the checkout code MAJOR. And uh, then listen, listen, listen to all your favorite podcasts uh, with, uh, with Tweaked Audio. All right, this is episode number 666. It's one that's been coming for a long time. I come from an ancient time. I come from a land down under. Uh, The men flow and the women thunder. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Lucifer, volume one, written by Mike Carey and art by Scott Hampton, uh, Chris Weston, and James Hodgkins. Uh, This was a 75-issue... arc written by Mike Carey, which uh, I love these things that you can have a good solid run of something written by the same writer. Like we saw with Starman, like we saw with Sandman. Um, like we saw with man, man, we saw with man, man, like we're seeing with Don, Dan slot, man. Um, but, uh, I thought because this was issue six, 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 that we'd look at something that featured the devil, Lucifer Morningstar. Lucifer Technically, it's more than seventy-five because the first three. Oh yeah, the first three trade, Yeah, 
are a Sandman limited, and the whole thing mm-hmm. spins out of the second arc of Sandman. And are we have we confirmed that Mike Carey is not a pseudonym for Neil Gaiman? Yeah, Mike uh, Carey uh. is a person who exists. Okay, because so much of the time it felt like Carey was really channeling the style of Sandman and making those elements flow smoothly and developing a, a story arc where you read an issue in this first volume, you're like, well, that's a nice little side story plot. Uh, let's move on. And then suddenly that little plot comes back around at the end of the volume. And it's like, wow, that was very well done. And so it's just, I was, I was impressed by the writing on this. Um, first initial thoughts from everybody, uh, Rodrigo. Uh, absolutely. I think it, this makes a lot of sense to me now when people are like, oh, if you like Sandman, you'll like Lucifer. I know it's a spinoff, but also it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ashley? Well, I don't like Sandman that much. Um, and I fell asleep three times trying to read this. Oh, that's okay. I took a nap uh, reading this so, one. Too, so that's okay. I feel like what? I'm going to be the voice of dissent. No, that's fine. I like having, an, oppo- I like having <laughs> an opposing view on this. Um, and Matthew? You're not the only voice of dissent because I read uh, Lucifer in the 90s when it came out. I've never liked Lucifer. I've I simply cannot stand this book. How come? And well, and I think part of it is what you said. There's a thing about Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which I do love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved Sandman and have still have my Sandman books that I read today. This book does not feel like Mike Carey doing a Mike Carey joint. This feels like Mike Carey yep, absolutely. doing a Neil Gaiman cover mm-hmm. band. And Mike Carey also did an extended run, and I think possibly the longest run, on Hellblazer, which is a book very close to my lack of soul. I think you're right. I think and right. I love Hellblazer. And I'll tell you what, Mike Carey does an excellent Hellblazer, and it never feels like a Jamie Delano Hellblazer, and it never feels like an Alan Moore Hellblazer. There is not an issue of Lucifer that I have ever read without thinking, why are they doing this yeah. obvious riff? And then it, it occurs to me, 1999, when this book came out, guess what book ended right about that time? I don't know what book. The Sandman. Oh. Well, this is, this is a very overt attempt by editorial at Vertigo to recapture that Sandman lightning in a bottle, and it, it didn't work for me. Well, here's the here's the reason why I would say that it's that I'm not saying he's aping the style, but it was very much in the vein of what Gaiman was doing. The nice thing about that is it makes the world seem bigger. And when you can write in that style or you can follow into those themes and methods of telling the story, I think it it feels more complete for the world. I think it actually enhances what what is going on. So I can understand why you don't like the fact that this doesn't feel like the writer is doing what the writer would normally do and write, but I think that it really helps, helps the story overall. Ashley, is there a reason why you didn't, didn't like this? Is there a different uh, view from what, what Matthew had said? Um, my world, my view of that is, is a little less kind and it's a little more of my, my personal hangups. I think I've okay. said this before. If I don't have a character, whether the, it's the one I'm intended to or not that I empathize with, I have a really difficult time consuming whatever that media is. It's why I don't like Breaking Bad and I will never like it. I don't care if it will change my life if I just give it a chance. Um, and then I'm just at oh, the so point... Oh, let so me, let me ask this. So what you're saying is you don't like... Um, you don't like the the hero being a bad guy? Is that is that what you have a it's, problem I, I with? Just, 
it's if, if I don't find anyone to kind of be no my character, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, like like I just can't I can't do it. And it doesn't always have to be the good guy. Like in Justified, like I really like Boyd Crowder, and he's not the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't find that character here. And also, I personally, in my reading experience, I'm at the point in my life where like, oh, we're gonna do edgy. Uh, evil look at the Judeo-Christian yeah, yeah. characters yeah. is like yeah. it's so blasé. Like I'm not 14 anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you were when this came out, so that uh, I might have probably been not, not <laughs> been yeah. 14. It was, yeah, so I 2000. Was pro- I was 10. Uh, oh, shut up. So <laughs> by the time it ended, though, have been right. I would have been primed for this when it first came out, but. Mm-hmm. Um, at someone who is preparing to become 26, it's, mm-hmm. I just thought it was kind of lame. Well, so from the religious standpoint, I'm not a big uh, religious person, but I like when someone has done their research and mm-hmm. whether they're slamming a particular re- religion or not. What I also appreciated in this volume was that they're not just going, oh, everybody knows who Michael is. Everyone knows who Raphael, you know, everyone knows who these main angels are. They're doing some research and going down deep into their to their hierarchy of the angels. Uh, yeah. Down to Sam I am. What's that, Matthew? They got down to Sam. I am the yes. uh, angel of green eggs. Yes. Sam yes. I am. Uh, yeah. But so does Hellboy. Yeah. Rodrigo, <laughs> what, what were you going to say? Oh, I was, I was saying that, yeah, they, they, they get into their apocrypha pretty hard. Yeah. And then beyond that, they're not just containing themselves into, Hey, this is only, the Judeo-Christian religion that we're looking at, all of the religions exist, including the religions that existed before Christianity. Uh, and they are part of this story as well. I did think that the part about the shadow gods, the early gods, I thought mm-hmm. that was like the coolest part of the whole book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and which is the one, and I'm sure it's addressed in, in other volumes, but the uh, girl that we meet at the beginning who has wow. the, yeah. Um, is she the one that has the brother that that dies? Yeah. And they have to, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They specifically say, "Hey, you're going to come back, and we're going to see you again." And then throughout the rest of this volume, we don't see her again, which I thought was a little okay. Does she come up yeah, at another point in the volumes? Because that was a weird, a weird. That's up. the thing. That's the thing about this stuff is that it's very much like, you know, it's like it, it follows that Sandman structure, right? And mm-hmm. part of that Sandman structure is that you kind of have this like series of kind of like bookend type things Mm -hmm. where it's like a character that you meet at the beginning might come out at an important moment later on this volume and thus bookend what happened. But a character you meet at the beginning might actually bookend the series or it might bookend the first three volumes or whatever. Right. Or like, um, well, in Sandman, we had the immortal man or the guy that I forget what his name was. Yeah, Hop Gadling. Hop, Hop yeah. Gadling, yeah. Where he showed up like every, what, 20 issues sure. or something. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. And we got I mean, his piece. So maybe like she's that, that you, character. You know, it's like in the first issue, there's like this lady in hell who's like, hey, Sandman, let me out. And he's like, not yet. And you don't find out who that lady is for a while. For like mm-hmm. 60 issues. Yeah, exactly. I think my biggest issue with it is when I read specifically these seven issues, um, I got the feeling of this is an attempt to really take Sandman, but also make it darker and meaner and edgier and nudityer, and <laughs> to take to take moments where you have you know a main character on panel for four whole pages with her breasts out, and sure that's that's an artistic decision you make. I'm not going to question that, but I think what it really came down to is it doesn't feel like 
to me as a reader an authentic choice on the writer's part to do this. It doesn't feel like Mike Carey in a Mike Carey joint. It feels like how can we make that Sandman magic only turn it up one more notch to 11? So you have, I mean, Sandman had violence. Sandman had sexuality. Sandman had, you know, adult themes and situations and the occasional nudity in it. But this book really emphasizes those parts. This volume specifically emphasizes those parts, I think, to the detriment of the story being told. And part of that is, of course, the Lord of the Dreams is all about stories and this is Lucifer the Fallen One and blah, 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 blah. I think that what it really breaks down to for me is when Dream walks into a situation like, say, the story where he was in a rap battle in hell, it's something where he's incredibly arrogant, but there's a quiet sort of – I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's almost like he knows he's a jerk. He knows he's being a jerk. And if someone says, I think you're changing and becoming a better person, he says, I doubt it. Lucifer in this volume seems to be buying into his own hype. And there's a point where a, a powerful spirit comes up and tries to kill everybody. And then the spirit comes at Lucifer and Lucifer is like, you forget yourself. And the spirit's like, oh, sorry, sorry, boss. Sorry, boss. And it just doesn't feel stylistically like a decision that, first of all, I'm interested in reading about, but also one that works within the story. And there's a number of those in here that really bother me in this particular arc. The other thing, well, the volume that we're reading, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, is the one that includes Sandman 1 through th the, the Lucifer, Sandman 1 through 3, and then the 13 mm -hmm. issues of, um, of mm -hmm. Sandman, or of uh, Lucifer. The other thing that I found... Interesting in the way the story plays off is the slow burn towards the big reveal of what uh, Lucifer is ultimately doing as his big finger to uh, to his father, um, which I just found very, very at times very frustrating because I was like, OK, come on, let's get right. to the point of the story. At one point, I was not even going to read the final huh. arc because I was like, well, OK, so it's just kind of doing this. But then when you start to get into that the final, what is it? Three issues or, or something, six issues in this where uh, the monsters and children one, where suddenly it's revealed that Lucifer has been planning this all along to create his own universe. Suddenly it's like, Whoa, this is some nice storytelling with a buildup that you really need to pay attention to in order to get everything. So again, I appreciate that in, in my storytelling, Ashley. I think that the frustrating thing about the reading experience too, is not that it's, poorly done um, because it's there's intelligent research there's intelligent plotting there's intelligent reveals but there's something about it which Gaiman does but I feel like in a less insulting way that when you're reading Lucifer it feels like they're trying to be smarter than you mm. Mm. Um, and maybe that's I, I, I always, I always, I always feel that with all Vertigo I don't books, know so. <laughs> Well, I, I only made it one volume into Preacher, so there you go. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I, I mean, there is Stephen that. Makes, Stephen makes a good point, because that is a 90s and early 2000s Vertigo hallmark. You see it in Transmetropolitan, 
which wasn't originally a vertigo book, but nonetheless, you see it in Preacher, you see it here, you do see it in Sandman, you see it in you, you Swamp see it in Thing in Hell. You saw, yeah. it in, you saw it also in Books of Magic, which kind of right. kicked this whole thing off. Wait, you it's mean a, Harry Potter? Yes. Yeah. It is a story that is taking itself really, really seriously, and it's giving you, you know, lots of deep theological and philosophical and literary references to remind you, you guys, look how serious I am, you guys. And mm -hmm. sometimes it works. I feel like that first four issue Books of Magic Harry Potter arc worked, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. but it also took some of the... Um, I believe the the Brits refer to it as taking the piss out yes. of the characters, where the characters – I hope that wasn't a thing. I apologize if that was inappropriate. But it takes those characters and it puts them in there and it says these are the things that make these characters really awesome. And also there's this little bit over here that you kind of point and laugh at. And Lucifer is lacking that point and laugh, at least well, you know, I mean, in, the, in this I, volume to me. I mean Sandman has that too, right? It's like Sandman is like – like like Morpheus is like floating around threatening people and doing all this mm -hmm. stuff. And at least he has this little raven that mm -hmm. points out, you know, or or just at least serves as this person to be like, I do not understand what you're doing, man. Boss. Like boss. Why is, boss, why, boss. Is why do you look happening? like Robert Smith, boss? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like Are we gonna go to the Joy Division concert, boss? Yeah. If you want if you want your uh your Morpheus or your uh title character to look more like um Billy Idol than Robert Smith, and yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking Sand of the art, with Billy Idol. Speaking of their art, uh, in many cases, uh, Mike Carey had asked the artist to make sure that they drew Lucifer as uh, David Bowie, and I do believe David Bowie was um, not too long ago uh, talking about working and trying to get a Lucifer movie project off the ground. He was also the wasn't he the inspiration for Constantine? No, that's um, Sting. Oh, there you go. The less exciting blonde British rocker. Yes, there you uh, go. Uh, don't badmouth Sting, young lady. Uh, yeah, the police is life. Yeah, yeah. I'll turn my red light on. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you what do you guys? What that means right? Yes, I do. Okay. What do you guys think of the art in, in this uh, in this big giant volume? I wasn't a fan of it. And again, I think that there is a. Um, to me, it kind of deviated wildly. Um, yeah. from one side to the other. And sometimes within the issue, it felt like the art was very drastic. Um, Vertigo art has, I mean, it's always been good, but there's always been some part of it to me that is always kind of a turnoff. And I don't know if it's because of the, of the uh, blood and violence type stuff uh, that Matthew was talking about earlier or not, but it, it certainly causes problems for me at times. This era of Vertigo specifically has what almost feels like a house style in that mm -hmm. you have kind of the the scratchy, crazy line. And you see it in things like the Dead Boy Detectives. You see right. it in the Sandman one-shots that came after Sandman. And you especially see it here. Now, this book, unlike Sandman, actually had a pretty uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, consistent, consistent art team yeah. throughout the yeah. seventy-five oh, yeah, yeah. issue run. Right, certainly more more consistent than Sandman, which was intentionally designed to have different artists. But I don't know; it never really sang to me the way like uh, I don't know a well a P. Craig Russell obviously would. But just when you get into the monthly day to day of a comic, I feel like there was something about late nineties, early two thousand Vertigo that was again 
it was trying to be challenging and it was trying to be challenging in a way that wasn't necessarily appealing to me as a reader. It was yeah. trying to challenge my idea of what a comic book should look like. And that's great. And that's wonderful if you love it. But when it doesn't work for you, it can be very oh, sure. Awful. Yeah. And if you are someone that has been that's been growing up on DC and Marvel superhero fare, this is something quite different. Oh, so I've, I've read tons of terrible comics. And the thing about it is, you know, when we did that run of um, Captain America that all of a sudden switched from Sal Buscema to Frank Springer. Right. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even look like the same species of character. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of what we get into here is Lucifer is always clearly Lucifer, but there are points in this book, even with the same issue, that I kind of had to take a moment and go, wait, oh, yeah, okay, that is the same guy from before. Or this is the skinhead that we saw mm-hmm. in the bookstore. Well, actually, you know. like the biggest weirdest thing is the um, those uh, monster guys who turn into the people they eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And you see her and she looks basically that girl by the like. Yeah, Elaine. Um, you know, the ind- yeah, the indicators mm-hmm. that she has like short dark hair and she's short and whatever and pale it's like oh did she eat that girl from yeah. earlier oh yeah yeah, yeah. And it's like and then no, as, that's a different girl but as that sequence changes she goes from a very short girl to someone who is as tall as yeah. everyone else which is really yeah weird. yeah, yeah. So it's weird i was i was not a fan of of the art overall on this ashley do you have any perspective on the art likes dislikes um i didn't love it there were there are some panels and usually some of the bigger ones where you can see a lot of the detail that they put into the hair and the background like that. It's really stunning sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like what we were talking about with shifting artists throughout a series, uh, it can be really jarring when you're like, wait, I was 99% sure this was the same artist, this mm-hmm. whole book. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, and yet. There are some right. lovely, almost watercolor moments mm-hmm. in the, the first third of this, but they, they switch back and forth with something that feels more like a, uh, kind of a Paul Grist style or, you know, even a webcomic style that has a really, really loose line. And it is weird. I mean, it's it's not necessarily unintentional. No, but I, I mean, it's think that, it's yeah. it's it's as we were talking about earlier, when that uh, first volume of Archie gets collected, people are going to go like, wow, the art was so that, crazy. That changed a yeah. lot. Now, question. Have you guys watched the Lucifer series on whatever channel it's on? I've seen mm. the pilot. I watched the pilot Fox. as well. What did you think of the pilot, Rodrigo? Um, I, it, it it was interesting uh, watching the pilot and reading the book at roughly around the same time mm-hmm. because it's not a lot like other than the very most basicest premise of Lucifer has left hell and is now running a bar. Like it is basically nothing like the comic. Oh yeah, and the so, so Lucifer is. I don't know. Lucifer is well, a very, um, um, he's not evil. He, uh, he's working with the uh, LA police to help them solve a murder. And this is the pilot episode. I'm guessing he continues right. this relationship with the woman. Um, he doesn't have problem having sex with everybody and he's very, the word's not smarmy. Well, the thing the the, the interesting thing about it is that uh, as like from it's, like core there's something about sandman where basically anytime you get any place neil gaiman is like and now we meet the devil you expect him to be this way and he is 
And now we meet a different devil and you expect him to be this way and he isn't, right? Ah. Like, yeah. He, you know, and that's that's actually what's kind of glorious about Sandman is that at any point, Neil Gaiman either twists or celebrates any given piece of mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes uh, both. So, yeah, exactly. So the Lucifer that was created as an artifact of Sandman is cool, but that is not the Lucifer we see. The Lucifer we see in right. the show is actually exactly what you'd expect the devil to be like i'm not i'm not even sure if that's how i expect i mean personally that's not how i expect the devil to be like i expect no. him to look more like matthew but that's a whole different it's better to hey. have a red horns and a bifurcated yes. tail Bi- yeah just like matthew tail. um but no, no he's gonna have a he's gonna have a comb over and be a reality yeah, a tv over. show star he's <laughs> gonna run for president uh, um, for a spade-shaped beard as well. so i don't know it's just it's very different but now after i've seen the pilot and i actually have you watched lucifer at all i haven't because I liked Constantine. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, I have a feeling that I've seen exactly how the rest of the series runs. Maybe some well, of our yeah. listeners know differently, but... You have, because what... You know, Lucifer is not like this Lucifer. Right. Not not like the comic Lucifer, which is a take on Sandman. The show is actually exactly the same show that we've been seeing for a while of Supernatural guy teamed up with, like incredibly young and attractive somehow mm-hmm. like somehow that young police detective mm-hmm. um, go off and and solve crimes this is the dresden files this mm-hmm. is uh sleepy hollow it's ash this versus is, evil dead ash versus evil dead it's um oh. what's the uh elementary basically elementary. although it all, you know, that one it all sort of spins well, back it's just- to to that house archetype of yep. you have an unpleasant person at the center who is incredibly awesome for whatever reason. Yep. Well, but house is I think Sherlock. They, yeah. Well, yeah, and that's yep. the thing. It, it runs back to Sherlock Holmes. But, I mean, they just ended Hannibal, which had the same sort of thing. Technically, if you watch Bones, it's the same thing. Well, I'm just, I'm just wondering because it's procedural. But then it's just like uh, Lucifer's like, look into my eyes and tell me what your yeah. deepest thoughts yeah, basically, are. And Lucifer, then it's like. Yeah, Lucifer has uh, the ability to make people tell him their like deepest desires. Uh, desires. Yeah. Oh, like uh, horns. Uh, yeah, and it's just like really suddenly it's like. Oh, and he's immortal. I mean, they shoot him like ten yes. times at the pilot. Yes, and so I he's know, Dexter Wolverine. Yeah, maybe. Of. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just very weird. It was not what I was expecting when I saw this, and it was certainly not for what it is. It's not something that I would expect a million moms to get up and start marching against. <laughs> well, it, it, the name. It, it, all, I'm sure it's all just the loose. Against. Yes, I'm sure just the yeah. title. Yes. Well, and you know, but that's it's fairly tame thing. show and it's not a very good show. Unfortunately, that's my, that's Everyone, my take after the pilot. Everyone I know who loves iZombie loves Lucifer. Really? OK. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of either. Well, I, I don't know if the pilot is free, Rodrigo. I, yeah, um, yeah, I think it is on Hulu. I think. You can go right, to Hulu and watch I think if you guys movie. if you guys have a spare 45 minutes just watch that. <laughs> I don't think it's <laughs> I, I think that there's yeah, I mean, far it, better it things on TV but I figured since we were talking Lucifer and since it was actually, a big thing on it's television actually, it's actually fun for the comparison because mm-hmm. again so much of like none of this like gay man slash was this guy was this guy again i'm sorry carrie 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 lucifer like none of it has carried through it's like 
the the comic Lucifer is like I I own this bar and it's like a little exclusive like little piano bar kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like mm-hmm. in the show, it's basically a strip Night club. club. It's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like that high end like girls dancing on cages. Not actually a strip club, but pretty much oh. a strip club kind of thing. You mean go go dancers? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It, girls were like, no, I'm a burlesque dancer, and it's like, mm, eh, you're well, all right. Let's not get into that. Let's not get into those. Uh, <laughs> that, that's an entirely <laughs> different but, thing. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is kind of that sort of thing, right? So it's like, um, here's the pitch: the devil has moved to Los Angeles from hell, haha, and he yeah. runs a bar now. Right. Go, and it's like it's it's yeah. almost like they wrote the series from that pitch without any sort of information mm-hmm. from right. the book, which might be good or might be bad, but it's like, what do you expect? Like, what would you hope like a devil protagonist would be like, right. I and guess I think- like British and like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, smoldering and stubbly, I guess. Yeah. And I, and I guess the only other thing that I can think of is the, um, the series about the guy, what we've talked about it before, the guy with the trench coat and he was uh, sending souls back to hell uh, kind of thing. Lucifer comes off as this guy who is trying to solve a crime of some form. And in the end, 66 crimes, and then he gets his soul back. Yes. And then in the end, he gives the bad guy his comeuppance by well, ripping off his face and showing his, his devilly features. Given how much, uh, vertigo Lucifer actually comes from John Milton Right. And, you know, oh, sure. Paradise Lost and that, that highly literary thing. I am in, in no way surprised that they yeah. jettisoned all that for television yeah. because, frankly, I'm a relatively well-read, vaguely intellectual old dude who's into that kind of stuff. And I find the literary references in Lucifer to be just a tiny bit pompous. I don't sure. think it's, you know, I understand you can take that out. It's not necessarily going to fly on Fox on Thursday nights. But if you team it up with Sleepy Hollow, yeah, I, I, mm. I'm almost interested to see the Lucifer show. Yeah, just just check out that pilot. Like I said, just check it out. It's, it's very oh. different from this. So when we get to bottom lines for this first volume of Lucifer, I'm kind of interested in seeing how far it goes. I'm, I'm not sure I can put the entire commitment into reading all 75 issues in over the course of a week or two, but it's something that occasionally, maybe next year, I'll pick up volume two and see what happened in that and work my way through the six volumes or whatever that they have of Lucifer. But I enjoyed it for what this was. And I think if you're someone who enjoys Sanwin, this is me uh, view on this, I think you might enjoy Lucifer quite a bit. Rodrigo? Well, as you guys know, I'm lukewarm on Sandman in general. I mean, I, I've enjoyed it, but I'm not, I'm not as, as into it as a lot of other people are. So a slightly less interesting blonde Sandman kind of doesn't do it for me. Lucifer is good for individual moments that happen throughout, but sometimes getting all the way through the story just to get to the part mm-hmm. where, you know, some colossal baby construct eats a bunch of people, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's going to be difficult to get all the way there just for that. Yeah. Um, So I would recommend it only if you really liked Sandman or if you were reading Sandman and, you know, Lucifer came and went and you thought to yourself, I want to, you know, figure out more about this guy. Mm -hmm. There's also a series about that guy without the eye or like with the mouth eyes, right? Mm, The Corinthian. Yeah. Didn't the Corinthian also have a limited series? So you can, you can basically, you can you can find a limited series on all the bastards from Sandman. Yeah, yeah. Merv Pumpkinhead had his own book. Yep, he ah. appears in this collection too. So, yeah. uh, let's see. Ashley, final thoughts. 
Uh, if you are someone like Fraser Crane who likes to read things that are smart because they're smart and then you can tell somebody how smart you are for reading it and getting the Dante references, this will be a good one for you. If you're a Sandman fan, this will be a good one for you. If you're a you know, Joe Carey fan, this will probably be a good one for you. But I'm not going back to it unless I can't sleep at night. There you go. Matthew. I love the Sandman unabashedly and unapologetically. And I don't care for Lucifer one bit. And I think that the important part to remember is, I believe it was Steve Martin who said that once you get over 25, you can be closed-minded about things. Hmm. And people can say, let's go camping. And you can go, sorry, we're closed. And that really is my take on Lucifer, whether that is partially an artifact of my comic book reading history where it hit me in 1999 which was not a good year for comics and where i was at that time and whether that resentment is carrying over 15 years later i cannot tell you with any sort of objectivity but i can tell you that everything that i love about a mike carey story everything that i love about sandman and everything that i love about a big sweeping story with a jerk protagonist come together to form something that I don't like. And whether it's a case of I really love chocolate, I really love roast beef, and they just don't work in uh, a sandwich, maybe. But I would say Lucifer is all the nope. Just don't. If you really want vertigo, if you want big sweeping vertigo, go Transmetropolitan, go Sandman, go Preacher if you're feeling, you know, really particularly anti-establishment. But Lucifer just isn't really where it's at. All right. There you go, listeners. Uh, you can find us uh, on Majorspoilers.com, as always. And if you want like this show and you want to support it, please, members.majorspoilers.com slash subscribe. Okay. Could use a lot more members. Get us up there. You guys could be joining us in a live stream weekly. Only need yeah. about another, what, 150 more people to sign up. And, then and we, we are hit terribly entertaining. Oh, imagine watching this live stream and with your comments. How yeah. fun would that be? You can make it happen. Members.majorspoilers.com. Uh, Rodrigo, what can we uh, expect from you, or where can we find you, and what's going on with you? Uh, you can find me at Fearsome Critter on Twitter or uh, magicturtle.tumblr.com on Tumblr. And I do have a book out. You can find uh, The Tale of Tallest Rabbit on Amazon right now. Right now. Matthew. Right now. You can find me at Mighty King Cobra. I'm apparently Mighty King Cobra on the Tumblr. I don't know how it works or what you do with it. Uh, every morning at 8.01 a.m., join us for the Ranger of the Day. And always feel free to hang around for pictures of superheroes and or pretty girls. And if I'm doing it right, both at once. Mm -hmm. Sometimes out of order, but both at once. Uh, hey. Ashley, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Ashley B. Robinson. Uh, that's also my Instagram. That's a thing that I have now. Go follow me there because my followers are limited. Uh, you can find Geek History Lesson on Majorspoilers.com. This week, Matthew is our guest professor, and we're talking mm -hmm. all about oh, Power no. Rangers and uh, Girl and Supergirl. New episode up today. Agent Carter Review Shoe. Two new episodes up tomorrow, all on Majorspoilers.com. Is the series over on uh, Agent Carter now? Did we it's hit the over finale? today because okay, they started double shipping it because they were like, dear God, dear God. Dear God, we have to rush toward the canceling announcement. <laughs> okay. You think they're going to can it? Uh, they cast Haley Atwell in a new pilot. I think it's yeah. gone. Also, yeah, yeah. season two has been kind of terrible. Yeah, here in places. They had Kid good. Colt. How can something be terrible with Kid Colt in well, it? Well, 
They had a musical mm. number and Sousa sang, so it's just that easy. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, who's a major spoilers <laughs> VIP. I'm just thinking Get that cold. musical. I actually fell asleep during the musical episode. Sorry. Uh, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for being a part of the major spoilers experience. We'll be back next week to talk up some Sunstone Volume 1, because we know that you love comics and we do, too. Check this out, ladies and gentlemen. Our closing music this week comes from our friends Ukla the Mock. So glad to have it as part of our show this year. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. Podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.